Hello, and welcome to episode 3 of The Sulfuric Secrets, a horror podcast from between two worlds. The Sulfuric Secrets is told over different time periods and locations as part of an overarching narrative. For those just joining us, last episode we were introduced to the hermetic principle of as above, so below, and the Olsen couple. We will be returning to the Olsen couple a bit later. Trust me, their story is far from finished. But today, we're going back to 1858, where we left off in episode one. We're going back to the copper basement. By now you should be aware of what happened in the copper basement. But now, you're gonna find out why. I must warn you in advance, this episode is not for the faint of heart. Episode 3 of The Sulfuric Secrets is called The Horror in the Copper Basement. Please be advised that this episode contains mature content that might not be appropriate for all audiences. As above, so below. Such a profoundly important law of the universe. A law that Mr. Rollo both obeyed and stretched to its most conceivable limit. As you now know, Mr. Rollo was once known as Dr. Rollo, a name he likely eschewed for how it sounded. Dr. Rollo had been practicing medicine for years and the invention of sulfuric ether, also known as ethyl ether, in 1846 was a godsend. Before then, surgery was done without the anesthetic benefits of ether. Before this monumental event, the smell of vomit filled each and every surgery room. And this wasn't the patient's vomit, but those of the surgeons the psychological toll of hacking into a screaming, pleading, restrained patient was so unbearable that a bucket's worth of alcohol could only begin to suppress the aching torture that was the memory of this necessary evil. It was common for tears to sting the eyes of each surgeon during the operation, but that's nothing in comparison to the experience of the patient Dr. Rollo would never breach the confidentiality of his patients during his time under medical licensure. But there is one historical account that gives us a good idea. Francis Fanny Burney, later known as Madame d'Ablay, a British novelist and eventual official for the government of Napoleon Bonaparte, gives a particularly gruesome account of her mastectomy without anaesthetic. I mounted the mattress, and I saw that the bedstead was instantly surrounded by the seven men and my nurse. 
I refused to be held. But when, right through the cambric, I saw the glitter of polished steel, I closed my eyes. I would not trust a convulsive fear the sight of the terrible incision. Yet, when the dreadful steel was plunged into the breast, cutting through veins, arteries, flesh, nerves, I needed no injunctions not to restrain my cries. I began a scream that lasted unintermittently during the whole time of the incision, and I almost marvel that rings not in my ears still. So excruciating was the agony. When the wound was made and the instrument was withdrawn, the pain seemed undiminished. For the air that suddenly rushed into those delicate parts felt like a mass of minute but sharp and forked poignards that were tearing the edges of the wound. I concluded the operation was over. Oh no! Presently, the terrible cutting was renewed, and worse than ever. To separate the bottom, the foundation of this dreadful gland from the parts to which it adhered. Again, all description would be baffled. Yet again, all was not over. Dr. Lowry rested but his own hand and... Oh heaven... I then felt the knife rattling against the breastbone, scraping it. To this day, historians are uncertain as to whether the surgery was necessary. Anyway. It goes without saying that Dr. Rollo welcomed the invention of sulfuric ether. But that's Dr. Rollo we're talking about. By the time of his experiment in the copper basement, he was Mr. Rollo. And that's an entirely different set of cards. For this ritual to be successful, Mr. Rollo would not be able to use ether. Mr. Rollo had surrounded the interior of the copper basement with a magical circle. This magical circle was not drawn with salt, but was consecrated with a fine ground-up powder of sulfur, an unusual choice. Mr. Rollo had assigned a triangle of sulfur in the corner of the room to trap the entity that he was looking to evoke. Mr. Rollo sat in his robe in the middle of the circle with the flayed man, who at this point was still fully intact. Looking down at the flayed man's naked body, he whispered to him that he was sorry, the way you would to a beloved pet that you are about to put down. The flayed man was stirred awake by the rhythmic chanting of Mr. Rollo, It wasn't Romanian, or English, or French. The noise came from the back of his throat, and then alternated to a piercing, hissing sound. The flayed man began speaking in a panic, in a language that Dr. Rollo did not understand. The flayed man could see his naked body, and there were no chains on it, no rope tying it down. So why couldn't he move? 
The flayed man could dart his eyes around the room and move his mouth. The flayed man could see the man above him in a robe, with what looked like large animal-like claws extending from his fingers. The flayed man could see his chest rising up and down with an increased fury at the terror and confusion of the situation. The flayed man could see weird, unnatural scribbles lining the walls and roof. Nonsense symmetry, comprised of circles that met with triangles and lines, curling movements that resembled lettering in a non-existent language. The stench in the room was already overpowering, like the smell of open bowels. But that was nothing compared to the smell once a dark apparition appeared from the corner of the room inside a triangle of sulfur. The flayed man swore that he could see in the corner of the room what looked like a bestial man standing upon a pile of ashes, almost as if it rose directly from the ground. As the flayed man watched the robed figure put his claw uncomfortably close to his face, he wanted to scream. He wanted to cry and push all the air from his lungs so that he became deflated like a balloon. Mr. Rollo concentrated fiercely on the operation in front of him. The hand holding the scalpel had been imbued with a strength and precision unknown in all of his years of medical practice. Absolutely nothing can describe the abject terror that comes from the sense of powerlessness as you watch a claw slowly come straight towards your eyeball and rest just slightly above your vision so that it strains you just to see what is going to happen next. Mr. Rollo had to draw the scalpel from the forehead to the genitals so he could pull the flayed man's skin off as a single bisected carpet. The flayed man felt the piercing sensation as his flesh was violated. The pain was unimaginable, indescribable. A couple of seconds from crown chakra to root But the journey from Sahasrara to Muladhara felt like hours, and it had barely begun. During unnecessarily slow, drawn-out executions, typically of the ostentatious, medieval, or modern drug cartel variety, there is a curious phenomena. There is a distinctive moment where the hope in the victim is snuffed out. The moment where, not only do they know they are going to die, but they are actively seeking it. It's common to see the victim go limp. Dr. Rollo would have called this medical phenomenon shock. Mr. Rollo would call it the moment where the soul is ready to depart. Either way, This moment for the flayed man was the moment he saw his own face being pulled off his skull.
As the gruesome process went on for longer and longer, the body of the flayed man was pushed beyond the conceivable limits of pain. The magic of Mr. Rollo ensured that the flayed man would be kept alive throughout the process. The flayed man's essential organs were removed one by one and began to float of their own accord, rearranging themselves around the room with the precision of an ant colony. And all the while, the mad spirit in the sulfuric triangle standing still, but radiating as if it were an abscess about to burst. Mr. Rollo's hand had been given the mastery able to slice along the flayed man's veins and remove them. Like the organs before them, they floated and rose like a red spiderweb around the room. Eventually, the medical procedure was complete. Mr. Rollo then got up to begin the substantive aspect of the magical procedure. Mr. Rollo walked over to the triangle in the corner. At this point, the demon rattled about like an animal in a cage, with pent-up madness from being restrained. Mr. Rollo put his hands to his chest and then kicked away some of the sulfur on the ground, breaking the triangle. The candles in the room blew out, and for a moment there was darkness. Then there was a bright flash of light. There was a scream, and the genitalia, and the unused flesh, and all of the bones of the flayed man were gone. And so was Mr. Rollo. And so, that only left the demon, who now turned its attention to the flayed man, or what remained of him. Dear viewers, I have relayed the horrors that underwent the flayed man with his surgery, and it is probably best to just leave it at that. I know that the medical procedure has been hard to listen to, but believe me when I say that this was the least torturous part of the process. What happened next was the transferring of the flayed man's consciousness from the copper basement to the ocean's floor where the transatlantic telegraph cables lay. This was an agonized process that is indescribable in its discomfort and displeasure. You see, I've described and you've heard the absolute peak of human pain that can exist. And even with the use of Mr. Rollo's special magics to prevent the dulling of sensation, it cannot compare to the cruelty of the rug pull that is denying the soul deliverance from the plane of the physical. The transfer of the flayed man's consciousness went far beyond this spiritual act of perdition. It was a spiritual and metaphysical agony. An exposed nerve that at the point of its discovery 
was violated in the most grotesque way. When a soul is denied its singular purpose and kept in a stasis of hatred and inconceivable pain, can you really blame it when it lashes out eventually? You've just listened to episode 3 of Sulfuric Secrets. Next week, we'll be jumping forward in time, because just as one universal law is as above, so below, another universal law is cause and effect. We find that a cause in the 19th century can have effects as far-reaching as the 20th century, and even the 21st. If you liked this episode, be sure to support the project through the Between Two Worlds Patreon. This is a real passion project, and all amounts help. Finally, be sure to visit the YouTube page, as the video version of The Sulfuric Secrets is posted on Wednesdays. Here you'll find an edited video version of The Sulfuric Secrets with archival footage that hopefully helps to build a richer visual world of Mr. Rollo and his dangerous web. Until then, thank you and good night.